Welcome to the Venley Expert Talks, where we aim to inspire Web3 builders with great stories from great minds. I'm your host, Alexandra Ahrens, and I'd like to remind you that you can always reach out to us on Twitter, Discord, or LinkedIn with ideas for the podcast and questions for our guests. Welcome to episode 14 of the Venley Expert Talks, and thank you, Sammy, for joining me today. Um, and Sammy is the co-founder and CEO of Transac, and he's going to be talking with me today about making blockchain apps more accessible to mainstream users. So thanks for joining me. Yeah, thank you for having me and uh, excited to talk to you. Yeah, great. Um, so just to start out, I'd like to know about your background in life and crypto and what brought you where you are. Yeah, so so um, yeah, I'm originally from London, and I, I grew up here. I have degrees in computer science and physics, so a kind of technical background. I started my um, career in as a software engineer. So I was a software engineer in high frequency trading, so writing code to trade uh, options very very fast, and um, we, we were doing market making. So so you're you're always having bids and offers in, in the market and um, people are kind of hitting your bids and offers and you're providing liquidity to the market. So that's, that's how I started my career off. And then I worked as a software engineer in a prediction market exchange. This is a uh, centralized prediction market. Um, and um, yeah, th- th- I, there I was kind of on the other side of the, the table, right? So instead of being the market maker, I was, I was the venue and um, learned about building a um, also a B2C fintech company. And, and something that really stood out to me when I was at the company is that a lot of the company's resources were dedicated to integrating different payment processes, different KYC providers, and, and different processes for onboarding users in different countries. And every time we wanted to go to a new country, we had to do a lot of work in order to make that happen. Sure. Right? So it was like more than 50% of the of the staff in the company were devoted to this in some way or other. And then, and then there was like a small, smaller part of the company, which is actually doing the bread and butter of the company, which was prediction markets, right? Just seemed, just seemed kind of crazy. And then, and then I also approached this problem from the point of view of a, of a user, right? So I, mm-hmm. I was opening so many different accounts on different uh, stock market platforms, spread betting platforms, um, you know, prediction markets, like the company I was working at, um, payments apps, and I had to go through the onboarding process so many different times, and I had to manage all my accounts, and it was just very frustrating experience. So, mm-hmm. so um, I became very obsessed with this idea of of creating a solution that can onboard um, users to any app globally, um, and, and approaching the problem from the point of view of the app. Right. So, how can we enable an app to integrate some bit of software that will allow them to onboard? global users. Um, and, and, then, and then in 2017, um, I also wrote and deployed my first smart contract on the Ethereum blockchain. Um, and, and that was a magic moment for me. I kind of realized that this is the new internet and, <laughs> and, and th- this code was somehow running yeah. everywhere and nowhere at the same time. Okay. It's a great way and, to describe it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and then eventually just, just kind of put all these um, ideas and thoughts together, um, and and in in the start of 2019, 
started working on what is now Transact, right? So, so creating, mm-hmm. creating um, onboarding for someone to get their money into their blockchain wallet, basically. So fiat to crypto onboarding. Um, met my co-founder later that year, uh, Yeshu, who was working on something pretty similar. I think he has his own story of, of how he got there. And, um, and, and, and that's, that's really how we got started. And, and that's, that's like, um, you know, two and a half, two and a half years ago that we met. So things have moved super, super fast since then. Awesome. Yeah. Really great. Yeah. Cool. Well, congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. So jumping right into Transec, I mean, you've already really told me kind of the, the meat of what it is there. Yeah. Obviously, Transact is competing against other services like Ramp and MoonPay. Um, how would you say yours sets itself apart from those services? Yeah. So, so there are there are a few um, there are a few characteristics that I'll highlight about Transact. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you know, before I jump into that, I, I do want to say that that um, you know I, I'm really excited to be working alongside all these other companies. Mm-hmm. and solving the problem and I, I think that it's really important problem that we're all solving um and and the space is growing super fast so mm-hmm. so um you know really really honored to be working in this market alongside other um other great companies um some of the things i think that that transact does really well is i, I think firstly we're, we're a very transparent company it's really like one of our our values and when you look at when you look at our widget, when you, when you look at our product, um, we show everything very transparently. You know, we show the slippage. Um, we're not charging extra spreads. Our pricing is very transparent. And that's not something you necessarily get in other places in the market. You know, sometimes you see, okay, uh, their fee is, you know, 1% or 3% or something like that. And then you, you get to the end of the transaction and you're paying an, an extra like 5% on spreads or other mm-hmm. charges and things like that. So. That that's something that that we really work hard on and, and pride ourselves on is transparency, mm-hmm. um, and and then a- another thing that that um, we're really focused on is developer experience. So so we've created an incredibly powerful um, developer SDK, and and um, you know I, I like to quote Steve Ballmer when he was CEO of Microsoft when he was developers developers developers. So, so, so that, that's, that's something we say in Transact quite a lot is, is like really making the developer experience really awesome and, and trying to empower other apps to build, um, on top of us. Um, mm-hmm. and, 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 and we're, we're making a, um, an SDK that's, um, compliant. So we're FCA authorized. Um, we're, we're one of the first 20 firms, I believe to be authorized in the UK. Um, and, and we're just creating a, um, an SDK that's very modular and um, very, very easy to build on top of and very compliant and, and secure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and then the final thing is, is that we're, um, we're, we're starting to um, launch some kind of alternative payment methods in, um, in Eastern markets as well. So we've just launched our India on-ramp. Um, we're the first yeah, on-ramp for these kind of local payment methods in India. Um, and, and we're going to be launching more similar payment methods like that soon. So that's, that's something pretty exciting with, with the first people, um, in the world to do that. And, and then similarly, we're also doing multi-chain. So we were, we were the first to go 
multi-chain and, and we're, we're, we're continuing to expand onto more and more chains and layer twos as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, awesome. Obviously, you mentioned your transparency first. Would you say that that is maybe one of the biggest points that helps you onboard and, and bring in mainstream users? Just to tie it into the main point real quick. Yeah, I think I think that um, I think that's it's more of a, a long term strategy. To be honest, I don't mm-hmm. think it's okay. I don't think it's you know necessarily gonna give us like ten x growth um, mm-hmm. instantly. But I think it's something you know over many many years, people do appreciate it, and um, and you know I, I've seen I've seen this kind of behavior from companies like Wise, it was called Transfer Wise previously. And, um, and and companies like Monzo and, and like other neobanks. And, uh, and and if you compare that with, with kind of like the old banks who had a lot of hidden charges, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that it builds a lot of goodwill to have transparency over the long run. So that's, that's the idea with that. Yeah, no, definitely. Good. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so speaking about user and volume growth then, um, yeah. can you tell me a little bit about how you do achieve that? Yeah. So, um, so th- there's a, there's a few dynamics behind, um, how we, how we grow more users. And I think of it kind of like an equation really. Mm-hmm. So, um, let, let's say we want to get as much volume as possible. Um, so if you, if you break that down into its component parts, it's, it's really three things. So one is the conversion rate of our of our widget. So out of, out of every hundred users, um, how many of them go and complete an order, right? That that's, and there's drop off in so many different stages, right? There's drop off, you know, maybe we don't support their country or we don't support their crypto asset. Um, may, maybe, um, they're dropping off at KYC. They didn't realize they have to do KYC. So now they don't want to do it anymore. Or maybe they're dropping off, um, at the payment method because their credit card was rejected or something like that. So, so we're constantly improving that and refining that. The, the next area is, is the, um, the overall number of users who come onto our widget, mm-hmm. right? So, so if, if we're getting transact installed in all sorts of great applications, um, you know, like, like MetaMask or like trust wallet or Decentraland or these kind of places, then, then more, more and more users are coming to, to that widget. So that's, if you multiply those two numbers with each other, you, you'll probably see that you get the number of transactions, right? So that mm-hmm. the number of widget views multiply the conversion rate from widget view to transaction is the number of transactions. Um, mm-hmm. So, so, um, and, and, and there's a whole, a whole bunch of submetrics under that, but, but, um, you know, obviously, you know, in order to onboard more apps, um, that's more of like a sales and marketing type metric Mm -hmm. and then and then the final pillar of um of our volume is is more of a sustainability one which is the compliance metrics right so so out of every 100 transactions how many chargebacks are there how much fraud is there um etc because transact takes responsibility for all of that um fraud and chargebacks right so we could we could totally ignore that and it would be fine for like a few weeks um sure right so, but, but we, we, choose not to do that. So we, we choose to, to put that as like a priority and, and we're a compliance first company. And, and so, um, we actually have a very, very, um, low rate of fraud and, and chargebacks and, and we have built a lot of capabilities in house to, um, 
to do that right so that's that's really important as well good yeah and yeah <laughs> great <laughs> um so then what kind of regulatory pains would you say your service is solving for blockchain projects yeah so so um transac is um the regulatory sphere that we operate in is called different things in different countries um in in the uk it's called a virtual asset service provider um or crypto asset firm in the us it's called uh, money transmitter or money service business so what what we do is we are the merchant on record for selling crypto so so um you have um th there's a bunch of different players in the space right so you have you have payment processes which is like um stripe world pay checkout um nuve these kind of companies and then and then uh, you have on ramps like like transact um and then you have apps so so apps can be like metamask or or opensea or or Aave or you know like any kind of um app that uses crypto so what what transact does is is we are to to use payment terminology we are the merchant on record so we we sell the crypto to the um to the end user and the app is not involved in that flow of funds at all right so the payment processor would be like a bank or or a card gateway um we don't do that just just to be clear um we 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 use them to sell crypto so so kind of like you know um you might buy shoes on an e-commerce store and that e-commerce might have like an inventory of shoes we keep an inventory of crypto and and we sell that to the user and um we we solve basically two pains one is is getting the licenses which takes um in 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 most of the countries that we operate that takes you know at least 2 years um to to get those kind of licenses um and and you require a lot of staff and pro policies to do it and then the second the second thing which i think is is actually more difficult and is is not really talked about as much is is the compliance operations so so it's one thing to actually have the policies and you know say we we check fraud in this way and we do kyc in this way but to actually have the systems the technology in house to do that and to run it at scale right so so to run it for like for like hundreds of thousands of transactions um is really really hard so so we have a compliance team uh, and risk operations team of over 20 people checking transactions um we've built technology in house that takes a whole bunch of data from a whole bunch of different sources and stops bad transactions um and then and then we we take the cost out of that of our pocket so if we do inadvertently process some bad transactions we we pay the cost of that and um i i would say that's that's kind of the the thing that people don't really appreciate about us that's mm -hmm. that's so that's so hard to recreate and and you could do it yourself but it would probably cost you more to do it in house than then we can do it for you. Mhm. Mm okay. And how do you so as you said that obviously takes a lot of people and power. Yeah. Um yeah. how how scalable is that for you then? Um it's it it's very scalable um okay. for for two reasons. One one is that um the vast vast majority of of the transactions we do are fully automated. so 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 um we 
we check um, KYC in an automated fashion. We check um, a bunch of data about the user's transaction in an automated fashion. And then we have a, a risk engine that takes, it takes all of that data um, and, it, and it outputs a score that says whether or not we should honor that transaction. And if, and if our risk engine says no, then it's rejected. And, um, and then the, the only reason why we need human intervention is um is for borderline cases so sometimes we're not sure um you know m maybe the person's id was you know m maybe their photo was taken like 10 15 years ago so in their kyc they look different now or some, something like that right so it, it, it doesn't it doesn't come up but we still need to check it and and we approve it um but then um whenever whenever we're getting false positives or false negatives in our risk engine we're always tweaking the rules. So, so the more, the more we do it, the better we get. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, and so, um, as, as our volumes grow, we have to have more staff to, to man those operations, but the, um, the ratio between orders to, um, to human operations is going down as our, as our risk engine improves over time. Perfect. Yeah. Great. That's definitely a positive <laughs> yeah. direction to be moving. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so you did mention that in moving into different countries, it can take you two years to get approved. Um, so obviously those regulations are ever-changing. Um, how do you manage that situation? Is it something you have to keep up on? in every place or once you're approved, you're good or? Yeah, so the answer is yes, we have to keep up with it, definitely, definitely. Uh, um, yeah, uh, it's a great question though. So, so um, um, yeah, I, I mean, so when, when, you get, when you get the license, what you do is, is you, you have to get in order a whole bunch of policies and, um, and you have to present those policies to the regulator, excuse me. And, and they, they look at all of those policies and they say, um, okay, this looks good. Uh, and, and you have to tick a bunch of boxes. Um, and then, um, and, and then they also have a look through your website and your product and they, and they make sure that what you're doing actually matches up with those policies as well. Um, and, and there's really a lot of stuff there, you know, it's, it's like, um, you know, AML policies, PEPs and sanctions policies. Um, and, and, and there's, there's really a large surface area of things that you have to cover. Um, so, and, and then, and then usually there's some back and forth because, um, you're, you're talking about like hundreds of pages worth of documents. So there's usually some back and forth. Eventually you get to resolution. They say, okay, you're approved. Here you go. Um, that's just the start of it now. So, so you have to, you have to do things like filing SARS, suspicious activity reports. So, um, when you're a, when you're a payments FinTech company, you never have no fraud, you know, you just aim to minimize it. So, um, there, there's always going to be some cases that come through our systems and we have to report those to the regulators and make sure that, um, you know, the relevant law enforcement or whoever can, can chase up on that. So, um, uh, that, that's always an ongoing thing. Um, and then, and then, you know, that the regulations are changing all the time as well. So, so there's new, new regulations coming out, new, new requirements coming out. Um, 
that's that's in the stable regions, right? So so that's like UK, Europe, USA. Um, in some of the less stable regions that we're working in, that are maybe just starting to regulate, or or they're kind of um, just trying to figure it out. That's changing all the time, right? So like countries like India, um, um, Southeast Asia, and, and and these kind of places, um, you know, we, you don't even necessarily have a license, but but you have to constantly be on top of the news and be on top of the regulations. Um, and then, um, yeah. And, and then, and then if a license comes out, you have to apply for it and get it. Yeah. With that, then obviously the, the landscape is changing drastically quickly, <laughs> regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. in the past few years, how have you seen it change and where do you see it going from here? Yeah. So, so when we, when we started the company, um, the, the thesis of the company was to onboard to web three apps or, or like decentralized apps. Mm-hmm. But at that time, you know, if you remember at the start of 2019, decentralized apps were like barely a thing, you know, you had, you had like MakerDAO, you had, um, you had Axie Infinity, um, Aave existed, but it, it wasn't doing like what it's doing now. It was doing something else. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so like th- these kind of things like barely, barely existed at the time. And so our market barely existed. Um, so, um, we had competitors, but like no one was really doing, uh, all that much volume, maybe in like wallets and, and exchanges. That's the main places where people were doing volume. Mm-hmm. Now that's totally, totally changed. So, so now, now, um, like NFT market is huge, uh, gaming is huge, DeFi is huge. Um, so, um, so and 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 that's been really really exciting. So, um, so we're, we're just trying to keep up with it all and 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 try to scale up. You know, if you think about um, how fast we've grown, we've grown from from being inception to like being a company with eighty seven team members uh, in like two and a half years, right? So so. And, and that's the same for the whole market. Like we're all growing, um, everyone's growing super fast. Where I see it going in the future is, um, I, I, I strongly believe that in the future they won't call them block, blockchain applications. They'll just call them apps, mm-hmm. you know? Um, in the same way you don't, you don't call something, you don't call Facebook like an AI app. It's just like, it just, it's just there in the background and it just, it just kind of helps, right? So. I'm seeing um, a big, big move of like Web2 companies coming in and enabling, uh, um, you know, Web3 capabilities, whether that's like crypto or DeFi or NFTs. Um, and um, I, I see that I see the, the market getting very, very big over the next few years. Great. <laughs> it's definitely yeah. the goal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> One of the latest features that MoonPay has introduced is direct NFT purchase. Um, yeah. Is, is that something that Transac is also looking into, or is there something else that you're poking around with with NFT projects? Yeah, absolutely. So, so um, I mean, Trans- Transac already works with um, uh, some of the biggest projects mm-hmm. in space. We're working with Zed run and, and, and other apps like that. Um, in terms of 
in terms of the user experience and really streamlining it, something we're looking at now is, is um, what we call one-click protocol interaction. So how, how can you go from fiat to protocol um, in, in just one step? And so we're, we're working with a few different pro protocols right now to, um, to, to basically pay with fiat and then have the smart contract execution done under the hood. So instead of, instead of being like, okay, I'm going to buy ETH or I'm going to buy um, Polygon USDC and then I'm going to invest in DeFi or and then I'm going to buy NFT, um, we're looking at some kind of way to, to trigger that smart contract interaction as part of the fiat purchase mm -hmm. um, and to do that in a, in a somewhat generalizable way so that, so that you know, it's not just one app that we're working with. We're working with you know, pretty much any app who wants to use it. So that, that's in the R&D stage mm -hmm. right now. Um, I, I don't have anything to announce right yet, but, but definitely watch this. Space. Fair enough. Good. And I can imagine yeah. something like that would be very helpful in getting that mainstream usership. Yeah. I, I mean, um, if you think about the dream, the dream scenario for like, um, web three UX is, is like, you would just come onto the website and you would, you would click one button mm -hmm. and, and like the money would get deducted from your bank account and, and, and you would be using that, that, so we're just constantly trying to collapse down that experience into as few steps as possible. Yeah, definitely. Great. Well, okay. We'll look out for that. <laughs> Thanks for a little sneak peek. Yeah, yeah. Um... Exactly. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> All right. The next thing here, on the one hand, you have fiat on-ramp services such as yourself, and then there are also services that allow users to bridge tokens from one chain to the next. Um, yeah. Do you think that over time they will be all connected and integrated? Um, what, mm -hmm. do you, what do you think? Mm -hmm. So, so um, my my philosophy in this is very much the the Legos philosophy. So, so trying to make all of these tools as modular and interactive as possible. Mm -hmm. um, so, so um, I I don't. I, I see a lot of, you know, mergers and acquisitions happening um, over the next few years, for sure. And, um, um, but but I, I think that the real key to success here is to make, is to make your, um, to make your SDK work well with other SDKs. Mm -hmm. So, so um, we're, we're very interested in, in collaborating with, um, you know, tools like Biconomy or, or Venly, or you know any other kind of um, B two B tool, right? Um, and it doesn't all necessarily need to be under one roof, right? As long as they work well together. Um, so, for example, I was I was using HubSpot the other day, and I noticed that you have DocuSign connected to HubSpot, and I can I can like click on a lead and send them a DocuSign, mm -hmm. and you know they haven't felt the need to acquire DocuSign. Um, but but it still works well together. So um, I, I think that's really the key to success. And, and that's also the real ethos of Web3 is collaboration, transparency, openness. And and, um, and that's the approach that, that I want Transact to take as well. Wonderful. Great. Mm -hmm. um, Transact is also in the front end when it comes down to making blockchain more user-friendly. Um, 
So what are some of the common, most common issues your customers face when dealing with blockchain? And um, do you still feel there's a lot of need for education or is it just about making it simpler? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. And, and a question that I'm very passionate about. So, so if you think about, um, let, let's say you, you take someone off the street, they've never heard of blockchain and you put them in front of a decentralized app, let's say Aave or, or as, a, as a DeFi app, or, or let's say like OpenSea as, a, as an NFT app. So w- what are the things that they have to do? What are the hurdles that they have to overcome in order to get to value locked, as, as I call it? So like they, they've got their, um, they've got to that end state of like earning yield or like having NFT, right? So first thing they have to do is they, they have to get a wallet. Right. So, so let's say, um, you know, th- this is before we've improved all the UX, right? So ass- assuming there are no solutions to this, which obviously there are, um, which is why we're on the call, but, but they, they, they would have to go and set up, let's say like a MetaMask or a trust wallet or something like that. Um, that's, that's already um, pretty intimidating because it's like, you know, put your seed phrase, don't lose it. Otherwise really bad things are going to happen. And, and, and then there's like a private key and it's like cryptography and it's scary. Right. Okay. Okay. So that's, that, that's already, that's already pretty intimidating. Now, now you have to go to a, a third party exchange. Um, so let's say like Coinbase or, or Kraken or Binance and, and you have to buy crypto. Um, from the point of view of the app, it's already game over, right? Because let's say you're a DeFi app and you send someone to Coinbase, like, they're not going to come back because they have like yield products on Coinbase. Um, that, that's like, that's like UX 101 is like, don't, don't send Keep your, them where they are. <laughs> your user to like, yeah, yeah. Don't send your user to a competitor. Yeah. Right. So, so, uh, that's already a really bad start. And then they have, they have to do a whole bunch of steps. They have to deposit the money, they have to trade, and then they have to withdraw the money out to a wallet, to a public address. And the public address has like zero X something, something, something in it. Right very intimidating. I think, I think we take a lot of these things for granted that, that like, this is fine. Mm-hmm. And that's just public address. But we, we, you know, me personally, it took me like a few weeks to get my head around this whole process. Um, back in like 2016. Um, now it's like, it's like breathing for me, I can do it pretty easily. But, but at the time, you know, as, as a software engineer, it took me like a while to get my head around it, right. So imagine uh, someone who's not so motivated, they will not have the the drive to do it. Definitely. Okay, so so you send the the crypto from your Coinbase to your to your wallet. Um, now you want to use the app. So so let's say you bought some stable coins. You bought some USDT, mm-hmm. right? Uh, or USDC or whatever it is, uh, or UST. And then and then you put it in your wallet and you want to invest it in that in that application. Um, you have to pay gas fees. So 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 you also need some like ETH or some Matic or or um, whatever ch- chain you're on, um, and so, and so, you have to go and additionally buy buy the crypto, and and you have to buy the exact amount to pay the gas fees that you need, um, and then you have to sign something using your wallet, um, so so, that's that's like a real, multi multi step yeah journey it's already quite a process um, yeah, mm-hmm. it's really insane it, and once once you have it all set up. It works pretty well, um, but um, but it's not a it's not a mainstream process. It's it, it's something that the vast majority of people 
are not are not going to do. So um, I, I think the app developers now are starting to think about uh, what I've heard called the mullet, which is like it's like business in the front and like mullet in the back, <laughs> right? So the the, the the front end of the mullet is, is like a web two application where you sign in with your email, you, you deposit with your like bank transfer or credit card. Um, but the party in the back is the mullet, right? That's like the DeFi, that's the NFTs, that's that's all the other stuff. So so I think I think gradually we're, we're seeing a huge trend of, of applications that are they're kind of building mullets um, and and uh, eventually hopefully those mullets will turn to a full beautiful head of hair and everyone will be crypto crypto native mm-hmm. um, and and it'll just be a party all over. But I, I still think we're a few years out from that. So so. I think the best route right now is is um, is to is to put a mainstream user experience in the front. Okay. Okay. So a couple of years out. So what is what are the changes we can hope for, or look for, to get us there <laughs> in the next couple months? What can we look forward to? Do you think? Yeah. So I, I think I think um, in, in the next couple of months, I see apps integrating fiat on ramp, integrating um integrating custodied wallet solutions integrating meta transactions and um removing all of those frictions that i talked mm-hmm. about um and and that's something that's that's available now so so that's something that every app developer um can go out and do some research in the market and and they can build their app in that way right now and they can onboard um pretty much any user with fiat um across the world in in most countries Okay, good. Good. Um, in terms of mainstream adoption, then mm-hmm. obviously we keep coming back to it, but simplicity, sure. Um, <laughs> but what do you think it is that we need to really have more adoption from non-crypto, non-just completely average Joes, maybe? Yeah, yeah. So, so um, people, people don't, well, most people don't use crypto because it's crypto and because it's the new internet. They, they use it because they want to access some kind of specific use case. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and so th- there's a few use cases that I've seen so far that are really compelling. One, one use case is, is um, a high interest rate so, uh, or, or yield, as it's called. So um, if, if you ask someone, um, do you want me to take your $10,000 and would you like to earn... 1% interest a year, or would you like to earn like 20%, they're going to pick 20%. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that, that's a compelling enough uh, use case that they're willing to overcome some additional friction as compared to like using their bank account, right? Um, the, the second compelling use case that I've seen is, is um, NFTs. So, so people are, have become obsessed with you know, NFTs around. And I think, I think a lot of it is like, um, related to the reasons why people buy art, you know, it's like status, um, collectability, um, and um, and in some cases utility, which which kind of brings me on to my next area, which is gaming. Mm-hmm. So um, so blockchain gaming is is a um, is an area where you play a game, but instead of the assets being stored on a centralized server. Right. So if you ever if you ever used to play like RuneScape or World of Warcraft, you, you own a lot of 
items in the game and gold and all that kind of stuff. But like, if if uh, Blizzard or or Jagex decided to like nerf that, then then you you wouldn't own any of those things, right? Whilst in blockchain gaming, those things are stored um, on a distributed ledger. Um, they're self-sovereign. So um, so and 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 there are some games that have just gotten incredible incredible traction. Um, for that reason, but also just because they're like great games mm -hmm. in their own regard, mm -hmm. right? It's it's like um, so like all of these use cases I've said, like the use the um, the, the UXs that that have gotten the most traction have just been like really good UXs, right? Um, and and um, so I, I think the way that the way that we get more adoption is by having like really great um, direct to consumer apps, mm -hmm. you know, and and um, that's not what we do. We we want to empower people to do that. So, um, I I I think you know DAOs is very exciting, and 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 hopefully there are some use cases coming that I didn't didn't even see coming. But I, I think that those use cases, um, along with along with app developers building really really great mm -hmm. mainstream UXs, mm -hmm. is is going to power it. Okay. So in terms of app developers creating really great apps yeah. <laughs> um what mm -hmm. opportunities specifically could you see for some web3 builders in terms of assisting and assess accessibility um um for, for web3 developers yeah I, I would say um i would say maybe maybe try to look at try to look at what's what's there in the protocol there right so if, if you if you do some research and you play around, um, you know you you find some you find some really great use cases. You know, um, it could be one of the ones I said already. Um, you know, for example, like um, in DAOs, you can you can really coordinate people um, in a way that that you haven't been able to previously, right? Through voting, through um, through a coordinated decision making on how to allocate assets, and um, and and there there are some really compelling real world use cases um, out there, and and I don't think that I don't think that you necessarily need to build amazing new protocols. Although I think people should continue to do that, but but how do you take those existing use cases and and how do you link them up with with a um, with a real group, real world group of people? You know, so so, um, so so, and 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 don't and, and try to think about it in a traditional UX way of like, what is the problem we're solving? Um, how does this solve that problem? And 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 and, and optimize for, you know, what whatever is the the KPI of that of that industry, right? And then and then and then it's your job to then market it and get it out there, right? So. So like B two C fintech marketing is is um, notoriously expensive and difficult. You know, like customer acquisition costs can be like anywhere from a hundred dollars to like eight hundred dollars. But but how how do you actually how do you actually distribute your product and get it in the hands of people and, and like make them make them aware of it is is the next challenge that needs to be solved. And I I don't think there's an um, I, I don't think any of these things are necessarily new, right? All of those components exist and they've all been done before. Um, you just have to assemble them. So so I think all the Legos are there. So just, just have to take the Legos and like 
build something that works really, really well for a really specific group of people uh, and, and make them love it. That's that's my main advice. Okay. Yeah. So not hitting everybody, yeah. but finding that finding that point and hitting that target. Yeah. Uh, like like yeah, hitting a specific group of people and then and then making use of of like the Legos mm-hmm. that already exist. Sure. Um, you know, all the all the great developer toolkits and protocols that already exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Great. Well, that pretty much wraps me up. So, right. anything that you want to plug? Um, so, so yeah, I I think I'll just mention that that Transact is hiring. So, so we're hiring for um, uh, business development, marketing, finance, uh, compliance, risk ops, um, engineering, product, um, all across uh, USA, UK, India. Um, and, and we're totally remote first company. Um, and, and you can find us at careers.transact.com. There you go. Great. Um, yeah. And last question we have to ask everybody, who should we have on Venly Expert Talks next? Oh, okay. Very, very interesting question. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of, that's kind of uh, caught me off guard. Um, <laughs> I think um, maybe Ahmed from Biconomy could be really interesting. Okay. Seeing, seeing as, as you brought him up already, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so so uh, I think I think uh, should you should give him a shot and see if he's keen. All right, sounds good. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Well, then, yeah. awesome. It was really great talking with you and and hearing your points, and yeah, I really appreciate you coming and doing this today. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me, and, and thanks for the great questions as well. Nice chatting and hopefully meet you soon. Yeah, thanks guys. Yeah.